Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound podcast, a horror podcast, where we take every horror book and movie and take a closer look into their bone-chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your lovely host, and this week I'm coming at you with a short-to-feature film comparison. I'm very excited because this is a Spanish film. I think this might be the very first Spanish film that I'm reviewing on the podcast. So, I feel like there's a lot in store to talk about and I literally cannot wait to bring it to you. But, first and foremost, what are we streaming? What are we watching? Now, if you follow me on TikTok, you may have seen a little video I posted about the show called Swarm. It came out on Amazon Prime, I believe, two days ago? On the 17th, three days ago. Oops. It is directed by Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, and it's starring Dominique Fishback, who was in Judas and the Black Messiah in 2021. I started it the day that it came out. Uh, And I had seen a little bit of it on social media, clips from it, and also just that it was coming. And it has Chloe Bailey in it and Billie Eilish, which was a surprise to everyone. But I am two episodes away from finishing, and it's really good. I always say we need black horror, we need black horror, especially black women in horror. If you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and check it out while you're at it. And that's exactly what we have been given. Thank you to Donald Glover and Dominique Fishback. Of course, I don't know how this show ends, so I can't say that it is deserving of every single award out there just yet. The verdict is still out, and just the fact that it is a black production, it, it could very well uh, deserve all, all of its accolades. But... I think that you should watch it and let me know what you think. Of course, you can always reach out to me on Instagram, on my TikTok, on Twitter. Let me know what you're watching, what you're streaming. Other than that one show, I don't really think I've watched anything else besides, of course, what we are talking about this week. What else? Oh, I also watched The House That Jack Built. I see so much about it in terms of like, oh, it's one of the most disturbing movies. If you're looking for a really, really dark horror movie, check this out. And so I did. And I don't, I didn't finish it yet just because sometimes, you know, when life happens, when life happens, you end up watching a movie in like three sittings. (laughs) And so that's what I've had to do. But so far, I really like the way that it is shot. I like how it's it's like brought together different types of art and put it into this horror movie of course the um character in the movie sees murder as an art so it just kind of goes hand in hand with the narrative but is it disturbing sure of course but i will get back to you i will definitely be posting a review on my letterbox at avery cof You can find all of my movie reviews on there. There are some good movies coming out in April. Evil Dead Rise. We've been waiting for it since it was first announced last year. Renfield is coming out with Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage, the two Nicks, the Nicky boys. They are (laughs) coming out with uh, that movie in April as well. I think it's like April 18th, 16th, 17th, somewhere in that range and it's a horror comedy nicholas cage is a vampire 
And I'm excited to see Nicholas Holt in another horror because he was in Warm Bodies and he did great in that movie. I actually really loved that movie, so I'm very excited to see him in yet another horror movie. That is all that's on my horror watch list, but next month I won't be doing uh, any episodes because that is my one month off. I take that month to reset, figure out how I can make this even better of an experience for you all. Um, bring better episodes, better content to you. And so the entire month of April, I will only be able, or I will only be found on my social medias. And that's why I say you have to be following me on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, even on Letterboxd, you know, make sure you're following me so that you can see all the different content where I won't be posting reviews on, um, on the podcast. I will be posting them ever so often on my Instagram and Twitter. So you can always find me there at Your Horror Podcast. I also recently uh, got myself a tote bag and it turned out so good. They're on my Etsy shop at Your Horror Merch. I think with shipping, they end up being like $18. I tried to make them as low as I could. I'm so sorry. I, I literally only make like a dollar from it from the sale um but that's because one i made them for myself i want a tote bag of my own but also anybody who wants to support the podcast uh by getting merch i don't want you to, to have to break the bank for it either um, i think paying over 20 dollars for a tote bag is crazy so i tried to make it as cheap as possible along with the stickers there's a metal bookmark in there, like metal. I don't think I've ever had a metal bookmark before, but if you get it, let me know how it works for you. And then there's also pins that you can put on backpacks and tote bags. If you have the Your Horror uh, tote bag and then you have the Your Horror pin and you put it on, wow, what a combo. If you end up doing that, please send me a picture because I need to see that for myself. But yeah, you can always find the links to my social medias, uh, to the Etsy shop, to my Amazon wish list, in the show notes below, and also um, in the podcast description too. So make sure you check those out, and let's get on with the episode. This week on the podcast, we are taking a short film and analyzing it and then also comparing it to its feature film. There are a lot of movies that you may have watched that were originally short films before they were turned into feature films, such as Lights Out. That's one of the most like infamous examples that I could give you. Uh, it started off as a short film on YouTube and then it was later turned into the feature film that many people enjoy. I've done a few short film episodes on this podcast before, but this is the very first where I compare the short film to its feature film, and I'm excited because from my analysis, I have found some very interesting information to share with you all, and this is a really good movie to start off with, like, you know, uh, in terms of, like, comparing the two mediums. It's a Spanish movie. And I think actually it was filmed, it was filmed in Spain, uh, around the village of Villanueva de la Vera. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm bilingual. Um, so you see a lot of the inspiration from Spanish culture 
and society as well in this movie which i think i think it does pose a problem to some extent if you are like me and you don't have a lot of knowledge of other geographical locations and cultures and societies some things that you might see in films might not translate very well and so i think that could be said for this movie however uh, something else that i will say is that it relies a lot on visuals and so this movie doesn't have a lot of dialogue it has some but not as much as it as you would think it would have where the dialogue might not be the strongest the visuals tell you the remainder of the story that's the same for the short film both the short and the feature film uh, don't really rely too much on dialogue unless it's absolutely necessary now both of these films were directed by carlotta Pereira. And they're starring Laura Gailan. I hope that's how you pronounce it. I added a little, a little spice to it. The short film's runtime is 13 minutes and 26 seconds. I found out about this movie uh, last year because the feature film actually was released last year, 2022. However, the short film was released in 2021. And I added it to my list immediately, but I never got around to watching it. And then I decided to finally watch it and cover it on the podcast. With the runtime being 13 minutes, the synopsis of this movie is literally just a girl who gets bullied for her weight ends up watching her bullies get kidnapped and she doesn't really do anything about it. Like, that's all it is. Right off the bat, it's in- like it's an interesting premise which makes you want to watch it. But everything else in the short film, because it doesn't have a lot of dialogue, you piece a lot of things together through the images that you're shown. A little brief run-by of how Piggy is filmed. Um, You meet Sarah, and she's in the bathroom getting dressed to go outside to the pool. Um, When she gets there, the entire pool scene is just like... It looks like it was abandoned, like everybody was abducted or something. They left all their belongings, and it's just Sarah. She doesn't seem to notice, for whatever reason. So then she gets in the pool, and you see that there's a dead body in the pool. The lifeguard, to be exact. The group of bullies eventually see her, and they, like, torment her. They actually, like put a a pool net over her head and like I don't know if they try to drown her or what but she's like struggling and so it's just like this whole scene of torment and they end up running off with her clothes uh so like she has nothing of her own except I don't even think she she doesn't even have her phone and her headphones which is like her emotional support tool she loves her headphones on her phone um so then the girls are gone But the murderer pops up out of the pool, like, randomly, and then swims and gets out. Which is so crazy, because he was holding his breath that entire time. Okay. You don't really know that he's also the murderer who killed all of the people at the pool, or killed the... You don't know that. It's just, like, something that you kind of infer. So then, Sarah gets out of the pool... And she has to make her way back home without any of her belongings at all. Not even a towel. She's just in her bathing suit. Which is a way of just kind of symbolizing that, like, you are at your most vulnerable now. As someone who has insecurities with their body, 
that is one of the biggest ways that you can like completely feel vulnerable is to some people wearing a bathing suit is nothing you know like it's just like oh a cute little beach day gonna wear my my bathing suit but like to someone who has insecurities with their body and does not see their body as something you know flattering then walking outside running in a bathing suit sitting in a bathing suit it can be so uncomfortable especially in like a public setting and so making her walk home with nothing but her bathing suit on is you know this act of torment it only gets pushed further when this car of guys start driving uh behind her purposefully to make her like maintain this kind of jog they eventually get out of their car and like tease her more they like smack her on her butt pick her up like just a bunch of disgusting things and then they drive off another car comes and so sarah like runs into some bushes to hide like a a grass gravel path that she runs into and she passes by the murderer's car as she passes by you see the murderer dragging a body into his van and she doesn't see it of course he puts the body in the van and then drives off but he passes by sarah stops so that she can see like the windows of the back of the van he tilts his his mirror so that he can see her and they're making eye contact and then all of a sudden a bloody hand hits the window and she sees that it's one of the girls who was bullying her before and he waits it out he lets her take it all in she doesn't do anything except she pisses herself and then he drops her bag her phone her headphones on the ground the girl in the back of the van is still beating on the glass begging for her life and he drives off and then sarah puts her headphones on and she just continues to go on about her day that in itself is such a crazy story because it ends with her like not doing anything about just seeing these two these three girls get kidnapped and at the same time you don't know anything about like you don't know anything about this murderer you don't know really anything about sarah either so a lot of things are open and yet it still kind of feels concluded to some degree the director trusts that you can piece together what happened uh, with different pieces of the scene revealed to you like you eventually see that the lifeguard from the swimming pool is dead underwater you're like "Mm, okay how and then the killer uh, jumps out of the water and then you see okay maybe he had something to do with it without a lot of dialogue as well Uh, You pick up on certain emotions simply from the way characters manipulate their expressions. Whenever you meet the bullies, uh, they're like they come and they see Sarah swimming in the pool, and so they like start to taunt her while she's in the pool. But one of the three girls gives this sympathetic look, which makes you feel like she might regret the way she's treating Sarah, or that like. It's not really her choice to be treating Sarah that way, but she does it because her friends do. So then when she gets kidnapped, you kind of feel bad for her because it's like you might not have like you found yourself in this pickle simply because of the people you hang out with and not because you are one of those people, which 
is a very big theme in the feature film, but it's not something that necessarily is very apparent in the short film. A theme that is very visible in the short film is retribution. You don't see a lot of the murderer. You see him whenever he comes out of the pool, he goes to get in his car, he's acting a little weird, but like he doesn't do anything to Sarah to like make you feel like he's any sort of threat to her. He doesn't even really do anything to the group of girls who are walking away either to make you feel like he's any sort of threat. The only thing threatening about him is the fact that he's the only person alive at this pool. Everybody else is either gone or in the pool dead. But then, of course, like, he ends up kidnapping the three girls that Sarah is being bullied by. And you think he's evil, and he is, but him committing an act of violence as a way of supporting the protagonist makes it feel less evil. The other themes that show up when it when we get to the feature film, they're all like, they're all very, they're, they all play background characters in the short film, whereas this theme of retribution plays more as the background character in the feature film. So it's a very interesting, uh, I guess, like dynamic when it comes to the themes. Then we get to the feature film, and so the synopsis for the feature film is a little bit more lengthier, and it follows this, the lonesome teenager, Sarah, uh, played by Laura Gailan, as she works in her parents' butcher shop over the summer break. Because of her appearance and the occupation of her parents, she endures vicious bullying, both online and violently in person, from the village's other teens. The appearance of a murderous stranger shakes the village to its core and pushes Sarah into a life-altering moral dilemma. My expectations when I went into watching the feature film, uh, since I saw the short film prior, I hoped to gain more context to the violence at the pool specifically. Of course, we didn't see anything before the murder had already been there, so I hoped to at least get a scene explaining, did just the lifeguard die? Did everybody die? And I also hope to understand the one bully more specifically, the one who looked like she's a little bit remorseful. And I hope to see more gore. A bloody hand is just not enough for me, unfortunately. Were these expectations met? Uh, we'll see. We'll get into it. <laughs> because I have a lot of words to say. Spoilers. Uh, yeah. Spoilers if you have not watched the movie. First of all, I don't know why I gave you all a- I literally gave you all a, a several days notice to watch the movie. So if you haven't, that's crazy. If you do not want this to be spoiled for you, now would be the time to click off. Um, and then come back whenever you do watch the movie and we can have a good old time. Your seat will stay warm. Uh, and I'll still have your popcorn, your snacks ready for you. So yeah, uh, just take some time, go watch that movie, and then come right back to us. Now, if you don't care about it getting spoiled, or you've already seen it, like like a great listener that you are, yeah, we may carry on now. Some general notes, though, on the movie. Uh, one of the most interesting parts about this film is the relationship dynamics between Sarah and her mother and Sarah and the murderer. I mean, really, Sarah and her parents in general, because they both, like, both her mother and her father just confused me a lot in this movie, but I really love movies that show unstable mother and daughter dynamics, and this is definitely one of them. 
In this movie, her mother acts out of spite after Sarah lies about being at the pool. She tells the police, oh, my daughter always goes to the pool. Like, she loves the pool. She was definitely there. But Sarah lies. So upon hearing that her daughter is bullied for her image, she then turns around and uses it against her. It almost seems like she's becoming one of the bullies herself. But when the mother of one of the bullies comes by to ask Sarah about her daughter's disappearance, her mother protects her and even tells the worried mother that her daughter is being bullied by her daughter. And she even protects Sarah from the police. And so you see like these different acts of motherly love, but at the same time, she's calling Sarah fat and she's telling her to eat less. She like has no boundaries with Sarah at all. She just bursts into the bathroom after Sarah comes in from literally walking all the way home after just seeing these girls like get kidnapped she's taking a shower and she bursts in and like opens a shower door and just starts talking about the way that sarah looks yet she protects sarah all throughout this movie so it's very it was very interesting to watch and then like when you thought that her dad was kind of like her safe haven you know a lot of these movies will show unstable relationships between the mother and daughter, but, like, the dad is the parent that the protagonist will typically flock to and they have a really good relationship with. But Sarah's dad sometimes would say some crazy stuff, too. So it's just, like, I, I didn't know who to trust. I really didn't. And then even with the murderer's intentions, they were really murky before the third act of the movie, but they communicated only through eye contact until then. And so, of course, without that dialogue, you could only really try to understand what exactly he was trying to get out of Sarah through the way that he looked at her and, and you know, like through his actions. Of course, in the short film, there was no context as to why the murderer was kidnapping these girls who just so happened to bully Sarah. You want to think he's doing it because he saw how terrible they were to her. And you are even further led to believe that because he gives Sarah's stuff back, makes sure that she sees what's going on, and then he drives away. But in this movie, uh, his intentions seem to change. At first, I thought he was appealing to her emotional desire, uh, to ensure his protection from the law. However, eventually, I realized that he actually likes her in, to the point where, like, he'll kill anyone who hurts her. But at the same time, he's also just so rough with her. Like, he manhandles her, but he also gives her permission to be herself. You know, like, he gives her the food that you see she hides, she hides away from her family because her family will criticize her for it. But, like, you know, he gives her permission to eat that in front of him, which is just a sign of, like, this is who you are behind closed doors. I want you to be that person for me. So it's just, it's it literally, like I was saying on my social medias, this movie almost sent me into a spiral. And it's just because all of these characters are so, like, morally gray. They're really good and really bad at the same time. Which brings me into the themes of this movie, which the short film had this theme of retribution, with little tiny themes of of morality because you see you see sarah as she like figures out what really she's looking at in front of her when she sees her bullies in the back of this man's van and she just lets them drive off because it ends at 13 minutes you're like 
being the bigger person is not always the best, right? But in this movie, it seems to change. As I had said before, the theme of retribution, though it's still there, it's more of a background character now. And the biggest theme of this film is morality. There is no morally correct person in this movie. Everyone enables each, other, each other's poor behaviors by turning a blind eye. So as I was talking about before with uh, Sarah's mom, and she just kind of like turns a blind eye to certain things going on. Claudia's boyfriend, who Sarah says makes fun of her with the group of girls, he says he's never done that and he actually feels bad for her. Sarah's own mother overlooks her daughter's claims of being bullied because her image was tarnished in front of everybody. You know, her daughter, after she lied about not being at the pool, said, they bully me. But her mother didn't even hear that. All she heard was that everyone thinks that that she's a big fat liar now. And now her image in the village is destroyed. So she was upset with Sarah and then turned everything around and like started bullying Sarah in her own home, in her own safe space. So it's kind of how I was talking about before with the third bully who has now become this character, Claudia. In the short film, she looks a little remorseful for Sarah and you're not really sure why. And, you know, so then when she gets kidnapped, you may feel inclined to feel bad for her because it's like obviously seems like you didn't really want to be making these decisions you didn't really want to be doing this stuff but it's because of the people you hang out with you do see that a lot in this movie as well and you know so then you have the murderer who kills morally gray people but that in itself is immoral as well guilt does show up around the second act of the film for example when sarah gets back home uh, she looks at the photo they posted of her online almost as a way of like convincing herself that she did no wrong by letting them get kidnapped. She just kind of like stares at it and cries, but then she nods her head and then she eats her snacks, which is so real. <laughs> so fair of her. Like, no, you deserve a little snack. You deserve a little sweet treat. Cinematography was very strong in this movie. Of course, it's strong in every in every movie, but because where I was saying how the visuals tell the story just as much as the dialogue, it relies on its, on its visuals. So in particular, something that stood out to me was how the movie opens with clips of a butcher shop prepping a pig for sale. In the short film, we don't know who Sarah's parents are. We don't know what they do for work. And I think also the fact, so like in the short film, Sarah still gets called Piggy, but you just think she's getting called Piggy because of her body image. And this is intentional. Pereira chose this to create an element of horror that was more natural, yet still as uncomfortable as your usual opening kill. And it enhances the sounds of the cutting um, into the pig, which only furthers the tension of this scene. I really liked that choice. There wasn't any blood. Like, yeah, they're cutting up the pig, but there wasn't any blood. It was just, you know, like, watching this pig get slaughtered. I guess this is a win for the vegans. <laughs> because when it comes to, like, you know, you know animals get killed for food, right? But you don't see it. You don't watch it. So seeing it, like, right there and watching it as it happens is just a different type of, like, I guess 
cruelty especially when you have like the pig's head just sitting there another shot that i liked in this movie was at the pool scene in the short film i mean the cinematography is strong yes but i think that they had more room to play with it in the feature film and so you don't truly see the murderer because they play with the way that the sun is bouncing off of the water so the light kind of hides the murderer's face so you can't really see his identity completely which i liked i felt like it added this kind of haze to the shot um but like still still having that mystery to it along with that i had some other likes as well i had more likes than dislikes but my dislikes are still very strong so there's that i thought that providing context to the characters and adding more characters made the story more flavorful especially when it comes to the smaller ones that we came across in the short film but you know they weren't a super massive part to the narrative. The lifeguard from the short film was made into a pervert who harassed the waitress at the pool. And he ends up at the bottom of the lake, which gives you the first hint that the serial killer kills with a purpose. Because a serial killer was sitting at the pool watching this lifeguard harass this woman. And so it's like, okay, he killed with that intent. However, not enough context was given. How did he get everyone to leave? And the movie even, like, tells you that the waitress who he harassed and the lifeguard were dead as well. So I'm like, okay, what did the waitress do? There was a whole crowd there. So just that, that aspect of it, I don't understand. There wasn't enough context given for that. I don't have to see the kill scene, but, like... I don't know. I would just like to... I can't just suspend my disbelief forever. <laughs> there has to be some rationality here. Another example of the characters, you know, being more flavorful, I guess, is the girl, which I've already mentioned before, the girl from the short film who, like, seemed kind of remorseful, was turned into an old friend of the protagonist who ditched her for popularity. This intensified the themes going on, and I also think that it emotionally engaged the viewer a little bit more, too, because she's the one who's beating on the glass whenever Sarah uh, comes into contact with the murderer and his van. And so when she's banging on the glass, I think Claudia is expecting Sarah to help them because they used to be friends they know each other sarah is struggling with this moral dilemma of these are the people who make my life a living hell every single day now they've caught themselves in a pickle what what's a girl to do and uh so watching this interaction take place and knowing that you know they used to share a friendship before claudia ditched her um makes it a little bit more powerful but you also understand the kind of struggle that sarah is facing i did like the ending there are some things about it that i didn't like but the the actual way that the ending was shot i liked at the end after sarah has killed the murderer she takes the shotgun she fires a shot in the direction of maka who's one of the bullies and it makes you think that she shot her because 
A, you don't hear her crying anymore, and B, you don't actually see where the shot has landed either. So then she moves and she points the gun to Claudia, who's begging for her life, and you see her hesitate, and then she shoots. You don't actually see Claudia or Maka for a few seconds until after Sarah leaves. Sarah is well, is, is well gone. And then, once you finally do see these two girls, you see that Sarah shot their rope to free them, and they're laying on the ground. And I, So I thought this was just a really good like manipula- manipulation of editing and framework. That's the only thing I liked about the ending, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> or, well, the last thing that I liked about this movie, it encapsulated the teenage girl experience so authentically. The director drew inspiration from Bo Burnham's 8th grade, which if you've seen it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. I watched this movie when I was in high school, and it was the most uncomfortable experience that I've ever had watching a movie, because, like, the protagonist reminded me so much of myself when I was in middle school, and that made me so uncomfortable. Like, I wanted to throw up. I was cringing the entire time. So she took inspiration from that movie in creating this suffocating feeling that is often memorable with teenage experiences. So from constantly questioning oneself and decisions led by insecurity, Gailan presents a character that any woman can empathize with. And this is maybe one of my favorite parts about this movie is just how uncomfortable it was to be reminded of how it used to feel to be a teenager. You know, and as a teenager who struggled with body image issues myself, I, I, I strongly empathized with Sarah so much. So yeah, that's one of probably like my favorite parts about this movie and something that I feel was done just so very well. However, the dislikes, oh, Ooh, the dislikes are what lost this movie two stars on Letterboxd, I must say. One, the blood was terrible. The blood looked like spirit Halloween blood. Like, it wasn't giving gore. And on top of that, the hand on the glass in the short film was better than the hand in the feature film. I would think that you would have access to the same amount of blood if not more so why didn't i get that bloody hand because that was such a the blood like that scene the with the bloody hand on the glass and the the ringing sound going on is just so earth shattering so i just really i felt like we like we lost something in that scene something else that i felt was was lost especially lost in translation The car scene in the short film, it felt shorter in the feature film, but it didn't lose its intensity at all. I actually think that it grew in intensity, but I don't like how they added more torment to the scene. In the short film, they tease her by driving their car behind her slowly, um, but it causes her to run, and they, they eventually get out to tease her more. But in the feature film, they take it a step further by untying her swimsuit top. And I almost question, was this added in hopes that it would further emo- that it would further emotionally engage the audience? One of the people that I uh, watched this with, Noah, who has been on the podcast before, if you've been a long time, a long time listener, shout out to you. 
they mentioned to me that one of the reasons why they didn't like it was because of this ongoing thing where fat people can't have roles that are not about their appearance. I definitely agree with this, and it drew my attention to this as it pertains to the film. I realized that's one of the reasons why I didn't like the ending. I felt like the ending doesn't justify the harm caused to the protagonist. And of course, like, you know, this is just my opinion, but movies about bullying, sexual assault, etc. should only show the harm being done to the protagonist if they get their revenge in the end. I do not want to see a violent SA scene ever, really. But, like, if you're going to visually allude to it happening in the most sheltered way possible, I only want to see it if the person who is getting assaulted is going to get their revenge. Horror movies do this a lot, too. There is so much sexual violence in horror movies, usually directed by men, and the women do not always get their retribution in the end either. And so I feel like by by upping the antics with this torment scene um, on the street with Sarah, and then for it to end the way that it did was so upsetting. It, it goes further into say that this is a horror movie. Horror movies do not are not morally obligated to provide any sort of wholesome or positive messaging. Of course, each director, each writer, each artist is different. I would never want to take away anybody's artistic expression. That being said, we have had PSA stories about bullying since the 90s. And while I can appreciate the statement made in Peretta's intersection of online bullying and physical bullying, Sarah is right in her anger. This movie had so much potential with the harboring of feminine rage, and yet I just, I felt like it didn't fully blossom as much as it could. That's all I'll say on that, on that matter, because it was very disappointing. I felt so unfulfilled by the end. I also do wonder if the killer's intention seemed to change with the feature film compared to the short film, which, I mean, do they change or is there just more context added is the better question, I guess. I kind of preferred the idea that this killer is just doing this stuff to, you know, rid the world of ugly compared to him actually being in love with her. I don't know. I felt like that was such an easy, maybe even overused trope. I would have much rather see this dynamic differently than making sure that the the fat person finally had someone who loved them. I just like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me. Maybe somebody else feels different. I know a lot of people who have seen this movie actually do like this movie. I actually saw a review on TikTok just yesterday talking about how it's a really powerful movie. And I think there, there are powers within this movie. Um, but I do think that handling the subject matter could have been better. I personally, I think Sarah should have killed them girls in the end or just leave them hanging. Something 
sure, kill the murderer because he's a bad guy. He's murdering people. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. The, the whole town, like, the entire movie, Sarah did not get a break at all. And yet, like, she still feels like she needs to be the bigger person. No. Uh, there comes a point in time where being the bigger person is just no longer going to work. And you have to stoop down to some people's levels. And I feel like Sarah had enough reason to do that. And she didn't. Bless her heart. She's better than me. Um, on Letterboxd, I rated this movie a 3 out of 5 stars. Uh, pretty much just for the reasons that I have spoken about here. But if you would like to venture on over to Letterboxd and see that review, you can find it at Avery C O F. Uh, you can also find me on all of my social medias. You can find me on TikTok where I post fun videos, reviews, movie lists, and I play around with the filters when I'm bored. You can also find me on Instagram where I sometimes repost those same TikToks. Uh, I also announce my my episodes for every week. I do, you know, fun little stuff. I'm also considering doing a giveaway where I do have merch now. I'm considering doing like a giveaway of a tote bag and a sticker, like a tote bag, a sticker, and a bookmark maybe. So that could be in the works soon. So you definitely want to follow me for that because you're you're going to need to know what's going on. And then you can also find me on Twitter where I just talk about all the movies that I've watched. I replied to a lot of random movie-related tweets. Most recently, it's been all about Scream, though, unfortunately. Like, it's been a terrible time for annoying people, aka me. Well, no, it's been a good time for annoying people like me, but it's been a terrible time for non-annoying people. Yeah, you can find me on all my social medias at Your Horror Podcast. On TikTok, I'm actually the Unbound Rewound podcast. Definitely check me out on all my social medias. You can also find those links in the show notes below and in the show description. Uh, in case you weren't able to catch any of those usernames, you can also find the link to my Etsy shop where you can look at all the neat little merch that I have on there. Uh, and there's also a link to my Amazon wish list if you are feeling a little grateful but yeah that's all i have to say on that matter that's all for this episode once again thank you so much for tuning into this episode and i'll catch you next week